Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Neurodiversion Experience. I'm Jordan James, also known as the Autistic Photographer, and I'm joined by my co-host and very good friend, Simon Scott. For this episode of the Neurodivergent Experience, we are talking about neurodivergent people and special interests. Special interests, Simon. Uh, this is, for me, we're, on, we're only on episode three. For the listeners, if you haven't listened to episode one and two, this is going to be like a series that will just literally build and grow. And I think like people need to start from the beginning. This is the one that I've been most looking forward to, which is probably why it's episode three, because I, I couldn't wait to do this. It is my favorite thing about being neurodivergent, but it, it's also a really good example of disability versus superpower. We are two sides of that one coin of depending on that moment, depending on that day, depending on the environment, we can go from disabled to superpower, superpower to disabled. And it's a really interesting subject because so many things have been said about autistic or neurodivergent, because I'm not going to say autistic because ADHD is just as much a part of, of what we're going to talk about when it comes to these special interests. And there's such misrepresentation of what special interests are. And I'm glad that we've come away from the language of obsession because it used to be, oh, yeah, those are just like obsessions. You're obsessed. Okay. So, yeah, they would outwardly appear as obsessions and, you know, they, they could be misconstrued as obsessions. But I think obsessions is it's an insulting term because they mean so much more to us. And what I think is most misunderstood when it comes to special interest is how you can take someone who has a special interest and from the outside perspective, they will be mocked or made fun of. And the biggest example of that I have is the show that I don't like uh, I like the people in it. I don't like the way that the producers used the people in it. And that is love on the spectrum. Oh, it's just come up on Netflix again, hasn't it? Yeah, I, th- I think it's, 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 it's so insultingly done with awful music that, that makes us sound like clowns. And it makes the people appear in it as like far more challenged than they actually are. You know, it, it, it plays mm. for sympathy. And I, and I think that these people in the show deserve far more than just sympathy. They deserve respect and admiration. That's what they deserve. Mm. Because there's a character in it is, who just loves dinosaurs. And this is definitely a, an autistic <laughs> stereotype. But essentially, there's a reason. I mean, I, I love dinosaurs as well. There's a reason because dinosaurs are really, really cool. Yeah, obviously. And this guy knew everything. Like, paleontologist level knowledge Mm. and i looked at it and he didn't have a job and i thought why is no one hiring him to work in a museum why is no one encouraging him to do a paleontology degree or even better why is someone just not saying okay we're going to bring you on as a paleontologist if you can answer these really hard to answer questions we will know you're good enough to be a paleontologist and it's like well no you don't have the education you don't have the piece of paper you didn't do the school so you can't be a paleontologist. And I'm thinking, well, if he knows as much or more than a paleontologist, then why can't he just get a job as a paleontologist? 
man, box ticking is why society as a whole is the way it is at the moment, because there's so much goddamn ticker tape instead of just common sense. The way we do things, especially when it comes to like jobs, because there are an abundance of neurodivergent individuals who are absolute specialists, absolute specialists on a subject, but they don't have the paperwork. And I am the perfect example of that in both my main current, my main special interest that I have changed into jobs, essentially. I mean, they're not work full time, but you know, they're a huge part of my life. And that is photography and neurodivergence, both of which I taught myself everything about these subjects, about the brain, about the evolution, about compositions, about subjects. It's fascinating to me to know so much, but I don't have any paperwork to back up saying, oh yeah, I've done a photography course. I've got a degree in photography or I've got a degree in autism. And it's really interesting because Dr. Luke Bearden, who we will have on this podcast, I said to him once, because he teaches the highest level of autism degree in the world. It's the highest level of degree. Yeah. Very excited to speak to him. Yeah. He's amazing. And I've done talks for him for his postgraduate course. And I said to him, I said, do you think it would be beneficial for me to do this course? You know, I, I would have to pay for it. It's, it's, it's a degree. And he said, I would love you to be a student. I'd love to have you as a student. It would be a total waste of your time. He said, I can't teach <laughs> you anything that you don't already know. And I only say this because a lot of times it does come across as bragging and I have to make this very clear when we say anything, Simon or I say anything good about ourselves, we have been on a journey to get to the point where we are able to do that. Because for most of my life, I have self-deprecated and, and, and was not able to say anything good about myself. And I've worked on that. And it's really interesting because people will say, if you want to like better yourself as a person, you should stand in front of the mirror and say everything you love about yourself. But if you go on a podcast and do it, suddenly you're, you're full of yourself or you're narcissistic or something crazy like that. And I just think, no, we should just celebrate the fact that, yeah, I can say I am a fantastic photographer. I am an incredibly knowledgeable person when it comes to neurodivergence. And I am as youthful as a 20-year-old. And I'm 42. So I can say lovely things about myself that I know are true because other people have confirmed them. And it's not how I feel Mm -hmm. about myself. I'm just repeating what people have said. Well, just remember that the difference between arrogance and confidence is confidence is backing it up. Yes. And that's why we're talking about special interests. Because generally speaking, and this isn't the case for, for every neurodivergent person, I've come across a few that think they're way better at something than I think they are, but that's, that's always opinion. But this, this young man on, on this show, they made his special interest out to be something comical, something to be laughed oh. at. And they put this like clown, like do, 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 do kind of music. Yeah. And it was, it was just so insulting. And I'm thinking, Oh, really? So, so you think him knowing everything about dinosaurs, everything about dinosaurs and talking about that, you think that's funny? See, this is the problem is that these shows are created in order to bring awareness, bring understanding, bring acceptance and bring celebration. 
And all they do is bring mockery and make a mockery of neurodivergent individuals who are far superior with their learning skills when it comes to particular subjects than any neurotypical I've ever known and am likely to ever know. So rather than mocking someone for having a special interest, how about celebrating how amazing it is that we're able to hyperfixate and do the things we do? So that's what we're doing today. We're going to celebrate it. So I've got a question for you, Simon. I'm learning. I'm adapting. And uh, I've actually written some stuff down for once in my life. Oh, my God. I've done it, guys. I've forced him. I've forced him to plan. Yeah, I don't plan anything. I've done, I've done like so many talks in front of like some hundreds of people and I have never, ever planned a talk in my life. Okay, so I've written stuff down because there are different types of special interests. So there's like levels of special interests. Like a grading system. Yeah, so we start with hyperfixations. Hyperfixations is when you first intensely get into something new it's shiny it's the adrenaline to it it's it's very much associated with the adhd diagnosis part of being neurodivergent it's that dopamine fix of i've got something new and this is really Mm. fun and then that autistic diagnostic criteria comes in of hyperfixation needing to know everything about something you know it's it's Mm, beautiful absorbing it into yourself Yeah. yeah 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 it's beautiful that's what costs us the most money so it's it's the neurodivergent tax ADHD debt yeah, of just getting that hyperfixation and then just getting all all into it and then just spending all your money. <laughs> it's like you have to have a savings account just for that. If you're like me and you're long in the tooth and you've you've been in debt because of it, now I actually save from my from my hyperfixation, so I'm 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 more sort of prepared. The next level is like a hyperfixation, which will then turn into a special interest, which will then go on for a longer period of time and you know really change your life you know, in, in certain ways, but almost at the, the point they will just become hobbits, you know? So eventually that hyperfixation becomes a special interest. That special interest is then your hobby and you're not so intensely into it. It's just one of the things that you really, really enjoy doing. Then you have the special interest that will turn into careers or lifetime achievements, the ultimate level. This You have leveled up. That's Mm. the ultimate level of special interest, the one that, that, you know, so if it was art and now you're an artist, for me, obviously it was photography and now I'm a photographer. Mm. So we're going to start from from the first one. What what would you say are the hyperfixations for you that really stand out? For me, my love of music, I have almost like a DJ's brain when it comes to music. It's something that I used to do. Uh, I had the privilege of working with a broadcaster called Danny Kelly when I worked at TalkSport. He used to be the editor of Enemy. He used to be the editor of Q Magazine and Mojo. I worked with him for six months building the sound profile of his program. And he turned to me at one point and he went, I think you were the only person I've ever met that knows as much about music as I do. And some of the conversations that we used to have used to be used to be great. Another one as well for me that kind of became hyperfixation. I had a period of just being really into fashion. I went to New York in 2018 for a holiday with my mum and just kind of walked around and saw what a lot of people were wearing. And it's like my brain just went and took all of these different like outfits in, different styles, different trainers. And I came back and was like, 
why do I now know about the history of Jordan training? <laughs> like, how, how do I know that? Uh, like, how do I know? I was like, oh, Jordan 1s, Jordan 2s, didn't sell very well. Then the Jordan 3 came out. Let's not talk about 3P. And it's just like, I don't even watch basketball. Why do I now know about basketball shoes? It just went whoom, into my brain and I have, I don't really know when it happened, but people will know that I love getting dressed up when I leave the house. I kind of have the mentality of, if I die today and I come back as a ghost, I want to look fire. You know, no, you I want to look, look really stylish. Mine. I, I'm, the, I'm the exact same. Exactly. I think the one that's kind of hung over for long, 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 long periods of time is, is my love of history. And it almost seems to be in specific areas. But for me, World War II history is also my dad's special interest. And it's something that we've shared. We watch documentaries together. Some of the conversations that my dad and I have had, I think, are at PhD level when it comes to history, because we're really subjective. We talk about different aspects. We don't just talk about the side that won. Lots of really interesting history. I ended up actually being in a history series because I, I do acting. I say part-time, it's when I get the work. Sporadically. <laughs> but there's a new series that's coming out on Apple Plus, which is called Masters of the Air, and it's a sequel to Band of Brothers. I'm in the finale. Oh, well, then I'll just watch the finale. I won't watch any other episode. Rude, but no, I play, a, <laughs> I play a paratrooper sergeant in the last episode of the series. That um, is... Which was awesome. That is so awesome. cool. Awesome. That is so cool. I'm so proud of you, dude. Because when I was there, I walked up to a guy and I went, check the safety mechanism, which is on the back of the handle, which is really interesting because there was a factory in Berlin that had a surplus of them. Uh, and then they did this and the guy was like, cool, okay. Do, do you know what? <laughs> I, I, this is what I love about talking to so many different types of neurodivergent people is the fact that you will get neurodivergent people like yourself that have this extreme knowledge of a subject, like an extreme knowledge. And, and I have a, 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 another a colleague at my work who's really into Star Wars and also really into weaponry. And it's really difficult to watch anything with him. He'll be like, that safety uh, wasn't on there. That is, that's the wrong site for that, that site. And uh, he picks out these things and, and I'm just like, right. I, I just want to watch the movie. Yeah. See, I do that with music as well. Uh, as I was listening to a song the other day with my girlfriend, Ariana Grande, has brought this song I think out. You say your, your girlfriend was Ariana Grande. I was like, what? <laughs> my girlfriend, Ar Ariana Grande. Is that how you say that? No, she's in the other room. No comment, Your Honor. <laughs> anyway, but I was listening to that and after four beats and I went, oh, that's the same synthesizer that they used in Vogue. Why do I know that? I don't know, but it's... Why do I know but, that? But, but you're, you're the most annoying type of autistic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, honestly, I was listening to something the other day and I went, oh, that's the setting. That's like the third setting down on the 808 drum machine. Did you know GJ Jazzy Jeff brought the 808 drum machine? And I was like, oh, what? Again, stop. Yeah. So, Make it stop. So you, you, are, you might be the most annoying type of autistic, but you're also the most fascinating. For me, your brain right, okay. is fascinating. I said this to my work friend. When he starts talking about Star Wars, oh, here we go. Because I love Star Wars, don't get me wrong, but... I've learned my lessons. Yeah, I will always, I'm, I'm <laughs> glad, I'm glad. I will always tell him that although, okay, maybe I'm not always interested in everything you're saying, I'm massively impressed that you know so much because I am. Like, I'm not out here to make people feel good about themselves. I'm a very, very honest person. So I will say everything you're saying is boring, but 
It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing that you know that. Mm. So on one hand, I'm giving him a slap in the face, but at the other hand, I'm caressing the cheek. You know, it's like. Oh, yeah, honestly, it's I can't tell you the urge that I've got in my body to go. Can I show you my bullets, please? No. <laughs> I can see them. Do you want to see no. them? <laughs> no, no, I don't. Um, I don't want. I don't want to see your bullets. Okay, so we've talked about hyperfixation that becomes almost obsessive. How does that then develop into a special interest? What I've experienced is support. And it, it does come down to that. So if I've got a hyperfixation and I get really into it, but Sylvia is like, oh, I don't like that one. It will tend to fade out pretty quickly. Right, okay. But I'll go full in, like with my He-Man figures, like full in. I'm not going to even begin to tell you how much I spent on them, but I have about 50 different He-Man That's gangster, though. figures. 50? And they aren't cheap but that that was over a period of like well over like a year and a half like i gradually built the collection up and i even like went on ebay and was bidding for like old 80s ones because because they remade all the 80s toys and so i'd buy like brand new ones and i'd be in the shop and i actually made mm. friends with the shopkeeper so i could get 10 percent off i was like Oh, yeah. I was like, yeah. I was like, hey guy, how are you doing? <laughs> he was like, this guy's going to be back. Give him a discount. Yeah, he, yeah. And he, he was saving them. Like this is when you know that you've gone to that next level. When you know the shopkeeper, the shopkeeper. Hello. When you when you know, when you know the sh- afternoon boy. <laughs> when you know, I brought you your special. <laughs> when you know the when you know the shopkeeper, and he, and you go in the comic book store, and he's like, oh. Hi, Jordan. I've got some out the back that I've been saving for you. And I'm like, this is my life now. This, 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 I, I need. And, and, but then I always felt obliged to buy all of them because uh, definitely I've got to blame him for that because you can't blame me. Uh, at no point, this is my fault. Yeah. Yeah. Blameless. Absolutely blameless. He'd save five of them. And then, and then he'd be like, oh yeah, I'll give you 10% off. And all I could think of was, well, I'm saving money. <laughs> That's like, it's not about spending the money. <laughs> and I justify spending so much with how much I'm going to save. I love a deal. I love a deal. And I know oh, you love I a deal. I only spend money if I get a deal. Yeah. I love a deal. I mean, from a Yorkshireman, yeah. it's our thing. So I, I, I never, I never think, oh, I've spent 50 quid. I always think, oh, I've saved 30 quid. So my, my brain, my brain doesn't say, oh, you've spent this. It just goes, you've saved this. I've, I've got this list, my long-term special interests and hobby. And it's, it's, it's long, honestly. I have had so many, and some, the interesting thing is they do come and go. My first one was Garfield, the cat. What, Grumpy Garfield? Lasagna Garfield? Love, love Garfield. Actually, really looking forward to the Garfield movie with Chris Pratt. I'm like, Chris Pratt, does he just now voice every There'll be a Snoopy movie and it'll be Chris Pratt as Charlie Brown. Yeah, He just yeah. does everything. And Chris Pratt's doing the voice of Garfield? Because it was Bill Murray before. Is he the only person on IMDb that's got like voice acting <laughs> credits in the last three I years? I to get Bill Murray back. I was like, yeah, go for it. God. But Bill Murray just, is not proud right. of that. Um, but yes, yeah, so it was Garfield. I had every Garfield book, every Garfield book. Love Garfield. And I had a Garfield cuddly toy and I took it to school. And I took it to school at the age where it wasn't cool to bring a cuddly toy to school, which I think really needs to change, by the way. And some kids took it off me. 
Ah, they threw it in the air and he had plastic eyes and it smashed. They smashed his eyes and then they walked off laughing. After that, I bought every Garfield and I actually still have all those Garfields. That's the one thing from my childhood that I actually still have. And Sylvia has said so many times, yeah, we we need to get rid of them. They're taking up space in the loft. I actually managed to get rid of a few last year, but now I think I still have three three black sacks fulls of Garfield cuddly toys. That's how many I needed in order to get over that traumatic moment where those kids smash something that I loved so much. So for me, the biggest one, and I think most people probably know this by now, is basketball. So basketball, I was, I loved it so much when I was a kid. It was everything. So basketball was a, a huge part of my life. But I ended up getting into football because I went to a new school. And like we were talking on the last episode about fitting in, and making friends, and I just thought, well, I need to fit in. And every every kid there was like really into football, so I was like, well, I'll just I'll just be into football then. Mm. I'll I'll just do that. So I I learned everything there was to learn about football. So it appeared that I'd always liked football, and that I knew everything about football just just so I could fit in. And then football became my main special interest as as a sport. And basketball kind of went to the wayside because no one else was into basketball. And rather than sticking with what made me me and what I loved, I did that thing that so many of us do and was just desperately trying to fit in. Even then as an adult, I was just, I was so into football. Like I, I literally have, like for anyone watching, they can see I, I have a, a blue lion tattoo on my chest that actually covered up a Chelsea badge because I'm, I'm a Chelsea fan. Did not know that. Yeah, yeah. So un- underneath there was... I knew you had the tattoo, but I didn't know yeah. that it was a cover-up. No, no, it it's the old school badge, the one that before Abramovich took over. Yeah, the CFC one, the, the Ranieri era, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. I was an, an actual fan before they became good. And and the yeah. reason why I chose that team, one, because blue, <laughs> blue is my favourite colour, and two, because I was actually born... I was born 15 minutes drive from the stadium. So I was like, well, I'll just pick that one because I didn't want to be like one of those people that are like, you know, born down south and support Liverpool or Manchester United because I know that people mocked them. And I was like, the last thing I need is people going, oh, why do you support Man United when you live in Surrey? I used to have like it on a map and I'd be like, show I was born here and it's here. Like, just like <laughs> back it up. Just, I, was, I was so... Like postcode walls. Oh, I was yeah. so scared of being like mocked or, or not. I was like not knowing what I was talking about. Like I knew more about football mm. in like a month than most people knew about football in their entire lives. So... Special interests can also be a way of masking. They can be a way, like mm. a really good survival technique in order to fit in. It's really funny because I, I kind of just don't really care about football anymore. It's just too corrupt, if you ask me. But my son, who I'd always tried to get into football, and he was sort of always sort of into it, just as I was getting out of it, he's now really, really into it. So he kind of just missed it, mm. which is really bad. But he also is into basketball, which is really, really great. But I have learned to <laughs> not talk about it too much because if people aren't interested, then there's just no point. So yeah, like those, those two sports have like, been a big part of my life. So that's where that sort of hyperfixation 
into special interests comes in. So my hyperfixation is basketball, watching so many basketball games, three or four a day, if I can fit them in uh, on the NBA app. And then just buying, I, I, I literally just bought two more jerseys after promising myself that I wouldn't buy any more jerseys. And now I have about 20, I think something like 25. I, 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 this isn't a team. This, this, is, this, is, this is just a, a basketball jersey. Like, obviously, if you're listening to this, you can't see it, but I'm holding up to the camera. It, it's just a Jordan jersey. It's got all these different... Jordan oh, it's cool, things though. all Is over. it a Mitchell and Ness one or is it uh, Jordan? Oh, Brown? Right. It's, it's a, uh, a Turkish market <laughs> jobby. Nice. Like 12 quid. Nice. But I'm like, like it's okay. They're, they're fake and they're You don't cheap. have to explain why you like it, Jordan. You like it. It feels nice. It's your money. It He's now stroking his face <laughs> it with it. It feels nice. I'm stimming on, on my jersey. I've got a question to ask you, Jordan, about special interests. When you're talking about basketball, for me, the similar sort of thing was I was I loved pro wrestling as a kid. Oh, I did too. And I remember that nobody now. at my school liked it. Ooh. So I just hid it. I never told anybody that I was into pro wrestling. Oh. And when I went to university I had uh, a friend who was also really into wrestling and it helped build our friendship. I talked about him in the last episode. He ended up living, living on my sofa. Mm. He was really into wrestling. Our friendship started to degrade when I started to correct him on <laughs> wrestling. Yep. I will say, I actually feel like I completed a special interest. Do you ever feel like that? Because I ended up going to WrestleMania in the States. And when I went, it was like I completed my special interest and I lost interest in it after that because I felt like all of the peak things I could have done, which is go to wrestling training, which I did for a bit, which was great. Go to an event, go to WrestleMania in America. I felt like I did all of the things that I could do with that special interest. And then as soon as it was like, I almost like completed it, I just lost interest. It's not that I lost interest. I still love wrestling. And I watch it when I can all the time, but I don't stay up until one in the morning to just watch Monday Night Raw because it's on. That's really fascinating, actually. Absolutely. There is a goal. I think a lot of the time I have to reach the standard or I have to reach the point that I set for myself. And I can't stop until I've reached that point. It, it doesn't happen mm. every time. There is definitely a certain level of achievement that I'm looking for. And it, that was definitely the case with my photography. And I think the main reason why I didn't move on from photography, that I'm still doing photography, is because I literally became well-known and renowned for my photography. If that had never happened, I don't think I'd still be doing photography as much as I, I, mean, I don't actually do photography as much as I used to. I certainly don't do it anywhere near as much as I used to. Now, I, yeah, so I just tend to drift off with a lot of them if I don't get the right encouragement. And obviously with photography, I got the most encouragement I've ever gotten from anything I've ever done. If you just look at my photography or if you're watching this, you can just look behind me and, and the results speak for themselves that the, the standard of photography that I am able to do is literally, it's, I think, and, and others think, it's just brilliant. They are exceptional. Your photographs are exceptional. Dang. I, I never in a million years thought I'd ever be this good at something. And I think that, that's actually a really good point. I've just made to myself is the fact that 
we will talk about special interests. We will talk about uh, having these amazing abilities to be able to do things and be able to achieve things because of those special interests. And I think there's a lot of neurodivergent people out there that are going, well, I haven't found mine yet, or I'm not like that, or I don't have any abilities, or no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just not like that. That's fine. That, that's, that's your journey. You've got your journey you, and, and you're on it. But I'm telling you right now that it is, in my opinion, very rare that if encouraged enough with something that you really, really love, to me, it's very rare that a neurodivergent person won't be really, really good at it. But I just think there's not, there's not enough encouragement. And, and, it, and it doesn't mean, for example, other neurodivergent photographers out there, I know a few that have put just as much effort as I have, but they're, in my opinion, they've, they've never got to the level which I would consider to be a, a really good photographer. That doesn't mean that there's not something else for them. I mean, the amount of things that I tried to be really good at, golfing, one of them, video gaming online, another one. Like I tried to get like really good at cycling. And I just, just, I just couldn't, I couldn't stick with it. I just couldn't stick with it. And golf is, I play golf as well. And it's such an incredibly steep learning curve. Oh, just, I like, wanted to be so good at golf and I just wasn't. So my dad, I'd, I've learned is neurodivergent after my diagnosis because I, and I recognize he's, he's neurodivergent. He played off three when he was 14. Wow. That's amazing. And he always says to me, he says, there's three types of golfers. There's the mentality golfer and there's the ability golfer. And then there's the guys who can put both together you know, fight nature, fight yourself. But then you've also got like the physical acumen and the ability to back it up. He says, they're the pros. He says, and all the other guys are just trying to figure it out. If you're talking about nine holes, I, I could have probably played off five or six handicap for the first nine. But if I did 18, I, I was an 18 handicap. I always lose focus on the 13th hole. It's my yeah, unlucky hole. I, I, and that's <laughs> ever since I've started taking Zagatid, I'm like, 36 holes, baby. Let's oh, go. Do you know what? I've, I've never been golfing while being on ADHD medication, actually. So maybe I'll be amazing. It's crazy. I was normally, I get really wound up by people that have like bad etiquette or walk over you and talking in your backswing. For some reason, when I'm on ADHD medication and I'm playing golf, it's like, welcome to the Masters of Augusta <laughs> on Sunday. Tiger Woods has taken the tee and I'm just cool and collected. If you have something that you really, really love, Oh, just do it. It doesn't matter if you're good at it. It doesn't matter if you're going to get to the point where you're going to, you know, do it for a living or win awards or whatever. Like that's not what's important. My photography accolades aren't important. What's important is the fact that I love doing it. I love displaying it in my house. I love having it as screensavers on my phone or my laptop or my tablet. I love the fact that people buy my photography all over the world. People are buying my photos and displaying them in the houses. And every time someone buys a photo of mine, I love seeing my photography being displayed on other people's walls. It makes me feel so mm. proud. This is, why, this is why I sell my photography for so cheap because lots of people might actually have a go at me for how cheap I sell my photography. Mostly other photographers that are really annoyed that I'm somehow like, underselling myself and i'm like oh i don't care i i would rather have my picture on someone's wall that makes me feel good rather than like charging silly money good art doesn't need to be expensive either no because 
that's that's not why I take. I, I've never in my life mm. gone and taken a picture with the idea that I'm going to sell it. But being really, really great at a special interest shouldn't shouldn't necessarily be the goal. The goal is does it make you happy? And with my son, his main ones are video games, which is great because we love to play video games together. His fiance is equally into it as as like she loves video games. They're two beautifully neurodivergent individuals that have found each other, especially <laughs> interests that, that become like lifelong or, or for a long period of time. That's where you're going to find your, your friendships. I would agree with that. When I look at the sort of friendships that I've built or connected with people, they normally seem to be around subjects. We talked in previous episodes about like surface relationships. And, you know, when you lose interest with certain topics with people you have in common, the friendships sometimes naturally dwindle. But a lot of the long-term relationships I've developed have been because of long-term special interests. I've got friends that I've kept because we like wrestling. Do we have anything else in common? No. But when something big happens in the wrestling, ding, my phone dings and I know it's him. I know he's watching just like I am as well. And that's sort of why our friendship is continuous and keeps going is because we both have this shared interest. Even though we don't talk every other day, because of when our special interests crop up in the news or we find something new, it's like the like the ladybird theory of you just bring people something. I find my friendships kind of do revolve in that, where if I have a special interest with somebody, I bring people information or something I've read or something I've seen or something I'm interested in as a like a conversation starter to almost kind of keep that friendship going in a way, when it, especially when it's the friendship that seems to be uh, tied to special interests, that's for sure. No, yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. Like, I mean, there's, there's many different types of neurodivergent people, but when it comes to sort of hyperfixation, special interests, I think that there are, in in my experience, there are two types. So there's ones that, like yourself, will will get into it and know everything, everything about it. Your brain is amazing for being able to retain that amount of information about one subject. It's it's like the levels of like Sherlock Holmes was that type of neurodivergent i mean obviously he's a fictional character but probably one of the best representations then you then you have ones like more like myself which i I call i'm gonna come a casually autistic i will learn everything about a subject but i will never learn as much as someone like yourself or, or or my friend alex even like my friend graham you know who loves photography you know we we started becoming friends because of photography and you know, and I know, I know that he'll be fine with me saying this because I've said it so many times. He's okay. He's he's good at like bird photography, but landscape photography, unless I sort of tell him exactly where to stand and what to point at, he just, he can't see. He doesn't have that creativity to be able to see mm. a photograph in an environment. But he has technical skills. He's taught me how to use my camera better and the better settings because I didn't care about that. All I wanted to do was take pictures. So what I did, I learned everything about composition, timing, lighting. I learned everything about the creative side of photography, but I didn't really care about the camera. I and It's like if I ever want to buy anything – camera related i will go to my friend rick or graham because they know everything about 
the equipment and the technical side of photography. So I've been doing photography all these times, you know, and I was at a bird sanctuary and the birds flying, like they did a display and I'm trying to take pictures of it in mid flight and failing miserably. Mm. I'm getting like one decent picture of what I want is like a whole series of beautiful pictures of it flying. And Graham's like, Oh, you, you need to do this setting. And then you need to do that setting. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> I've only been doing this five years and like literally really well known for this. And I didn't know that at all. You've just made some really great points there that I think give a really good explanation, Jordan, as to why you are so good at photography. And I think also as well for people that are listening to this, to encourage you to really embrace your special interests, no matter what other people think and find other people that love it just like you. Because look at how much Jordan will learn from other neurodivergent people that understand a different aspect of his special interest in the sense of, yeah, he may not have the technical know-how, but he's got the creativity and the natural ability, but pair that with somebody who has great technical ability that he's given you, you know, that skill of going, oh, this setting's here, this setting's here, almost like the layman terms of photography. That's enhanced your ability even more so because you can now pair your creativity with you know, the, the almost the neurodivergent special interest technical knowledge of somebody else. If, if that isn't an advert for guys, get together, share your special interests and watch yourself develop massively. I don't know what is, Jordan. Yeah, so this is why I really, really hate the stereotype that we, we just we just want to be alone and we don't want to be all on our own. I mean, literally the word autism means by oneself. Couldn't be further from the truth. Let's talk about hyperfixations that went wrong, like literally nearly cost me my marriage. So Right, okay. Big, big statement, you know. <laughs> so I'm gonna get like, Ooh. okay, so I have always been really loved video games. Ever since I was a kid, I've had every single Nintendo. And when the Xbox came out with uh, Halo, um, Combat Evolved, I, I loved it absolutely loved it and then gears of war came out and oh, what a game gears oh. of war was oh i'll never forget when that first game came out man uh, it took over my football team it took over it my was school what was a game. the best multiplayer experience not only is it a great game with an amazing story by the way i've read all the books um by karen travis i um, i love gears of war and I would always love Gears of War, but Gears of War nearly cost me my marriage because, and this is genuine, I'm not over-exaggerating here, like it actually nearly cost me my marriage. My friend said, oh, have you heard of Xbox Live? He had made loads of friends. You know, he said, oh, just come and play with us. Because I, I think what I was most afraid of was like, you know, just joining a game and, and not knowing anyone in the exact same way as like going to a party for me, I, I wouldn't want to go to a party where I don't know anyone. I would feel really, really awkward. So I was like, oh, okay, if I'm playing with you and your friends and then, and I was like, oh, maybe I can make some new friends. And yeah, so I paid for it. You know, I went, I went on Xbox Live on the original Xbox with Gears of War and I was so good at that game. I was so good, and that was the biggest problem. I was getting invites from the number one and number two Gears of War players 
in the world to playing with them. And I played it all the time. There was actually an achievement that said if you've got like, I think it was like 10,000 kills or I can't remember what it was now. But I was like, oh, I'm going to get that achievement. I'm going to get that. And, and that's what I mean by this hyper focus, this hyper fixation. And then there's a goal. I was like, I need to get to that achievement. I need that achievement because it, you just people who got that achievement could brag about it. And I was like, well, I'm, I'll be really popular and people will mm. really like me now. It becomes something to rely on as a defense mechanism in arguments yep. to rebuild your confidence, to use as a, as a, yeah, I get that. I totally get that. You know, I, I always wanted to be really good at something and I was really good at Gears of War. But the problem was because I was so good, because I was so hyper fixated, because I was so, uh, there is that word, obsessed with trying to achieve this level, I, I forgot I was married. I forgot I had kids. For me, it's like a really difficult time in my life because I was packing on weight. Just, I weighed so much. I was nearly 18 stone of fat. Me personally, a lot of the way that I want to show my love to Sylvia is I want, I want her to be attracted to me. You know, I'm not, oh, I'm married, so I, that's it for me. I, I want her to be attracted, not because I need mm. to feel attractive, but because it's what she deserves. She, she married a, a, a man, and, and, and believe me, Sylvia loves love me, whatever I look like, whatever size, whatever shape. But internally for you, yeah, I get that. Yeah, but I mean, at the same time, like, we are people. We are attracted physically. Uh, and, and Sylvia, mm. are, we are quite superficial, and I think it's, it's – and, and we know, we both know where this superficial sort of um, idea of beauty has come from, and it's Baywatch. You know, we're all different on his views of beauty and, and physical attraction and whatever. Like, like you say, when you're talking about like the, this obsession and losing yourself and forgetting what everything that's around you, I can, I can relate to that. Not as an, in an extreme way. I don't think I've ever jeopardized my, you know, personal relationships because of a hyperfixation. Although I will say my, one of my ex-girlfriends was Norwegian. And she knew little to nothing about World War II history. And obviously Norway was an occupied country during the war. And it used to really drive me crazy that she didn't know anything about it, even though her country was heavily involved and I could go on and on. But I used to really struggle to let that go. And it used to cause a lot of arguments when I would be watching a documentary or anything. And she'd be like, oh, but do you really need to know this? And my response would be like, I can't believe you don't know this. It's And I'd be like, this is your history. This is your people. This blah, 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 blah. Like, just got really like, over the top with it. And it did used to cause a lot of arguments because I just couldn't let it go. I know it's very different to yours, but that's just uh, no, you know, no, me it's, doing the it's relating, equally, trying to relate to be understood. No, no, no. It's, 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 <laughs> honestly, it's, it's equally as, as relevant in, in, in the way that, like hyperfixation and special interest can literally massively affect our relationships and friendships and even work. I, I have it in my head, so I need to finish this story. So um, I'm, I'm hyperfixated on this game. I wasn't happy, but I didn't care because I never went outside. I just played this game. So mm. I, I, at the time I was working in security, I would go and do that and in the morning, I would sleep for a couple of hours when I got home. I set my alarm. I wake up and I'll, I'll be back in the game. And Sylvia was working full time, 
So she was going to work and the kids, she would have dropped the kids off at school. So literally my time was my time and I was doing four on, four off, but then it was my job to pick them up from school. That for me should have been like a wonderful time in my life. And, and, and it, it, it has been a wonderful period of my life, you know, just being involved with my kids and, and, and school and stuff. But at this time, all I could see it was, was, oh, this, this is just in my way now. This is in my way. They're, they're a problem. I'd, I would pick them up from school. I'd stick them in front of the telly. I'm not even lying. And I, and I, <laughs> I'll talk about being honest. I will be honest. I'd crack open a can of spaghetti hoops and be like, there you go. And then I'd go back and play the game. That wow. is That's deep in your hyperfixation. Yeah, that was the worst point of my life as a husband and a father. Because again, this is really difficult to say because it is so awful. So we had the TV in our bedroom and when I wasn't working, because I was used to staying up all night and only having a few hours sleep. And the best time to play these games was during the night because that's when the Americans were on and the Americans were better than, than most of the English people. So the English people didn't, I didn't feel like they were that challenging to me. So I love playing against the Americans because they were, they were way better. So I would stay up all night in my bedroom while Sylvia's trying to sleep and play these games. And I would talk trash and it would just keep Sylvia up. And I, I didn't even care. Like I just didn't care about anything other than this game. Even to the point where I think if somebody had said, if you, if you could have survived with, with quitting your job, would you have quit your job? I'd have been like, yeah, I'd have quit my job. I'd have just done, I just, I just wanted to play this game. That's all I wanted to do. And yeah, great. I was amazing at this game, but it was costing me everything around me. But it was terrible. I mean, I was, I think I was 25. But you know what? I am terrible with remembering things. All I remember is that my kids were very, very small. If it's the first Gears of War, it'll be 2006, 2007. So yeah, oh my God, my kids are even younger. Oh, no, I feel even worse now. They were literally little babies. Uh, I I, un- I understand your feeling to it. Mm. But unfortunately, one of the reasons as to why we're doing this podcast is because people do not share these stories. No. So we don't have a deep understanding of the positives and the negatives. We can talk about the positives all day long. And we want to because there is so much negativity out there. But talking candidly and talking honest, Jordan is a gift. And look at what you've built. You've You've done a great job. And thanks, man. I think it's really important, guys, for you listening to this to understand that, yeah, it's okay to have special interests, but it's also really great to be self-aware of, of how far we're digging into things and trust people that are around you that love you when they go, do you think you need a break? And I know there's that part of your body that goes, I can't have a break. I have to keep going. I have to keep going. And separation, sometimes a break, a pause will make you actually appreciate your special interest a bit more because stepping away from it makes you almost fall in love again with it sometimes, I've found. I really appreciate your honesty, Jordan, and I'm sure a lot of people that are listening to this will as well, because it, it's not easy. It's really easy to talk about things we do well. It's very, very difficult to talk about things we didn't do well. So I, thank you for that. I appreciate that. Thanks. Yeah, I think I think it's, it, that, that's why it's so hard to talk about, because I, I pride myself so much on being a loving husband, being a good friend, and being a, a great dad. All those negative thoughts and feelings about myself that have been pushed onto me, you know, throughout my childhood would just come out of me 
And the only time I felt good was when I was playing that game. And I got out of it because Sylvia one night just started crying and Sylvia rarely ever cries. I've seen it like she just doesn't. And she was crying and she just said, you know, I love you, but I don't know how I, 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 I can't really put up with this much longer. You're not you anymore. And it was like that. It was a snap. And I just went, that's it. I canceled my membership. I started hyper-focusing on my health. I started hyper-focusing on my kids. And I think in a weird way, being like the, the worst moment actually pushed me to becoming an even better dad. I doubled my efforts. And all it took was that perfect person in my life to just snap me out of it. It, it, it was one of those really, really big moments in my life because because she was honest she was really honest with me and i think that a, a lot of a lot of relationships might break down because people don't talk people aren't honest i remember i had one friendship that really festered for a long time and then it just exploded in the end because i was doing something that they didn't like and they didn't tell me so and if they had told me that what i was doing that they didn't like I would have stopped doing it because when they pointed it out, I was like, oh, I didn't even know I was doing that. There's so many interesting little layers, I think, for what we've talked about in, in this episode, which is kind of also fallen back on a couple of other things that we've talked about as well, which I think sometimes is just a bit of honesty, just a bit of being candid. And like we are talking about in this, in this podcast about being New Ridge Virgin, we're not saying it's all roses. And we all have bad days like everybody does. You know, we all, I think we all live with feeling like we've not all reached us potential. We can all be more. And I think that is because we know what we can do and we do stop ourselves from doing it. I'm a very sensitive being. And that's where we will finish this very up and down episode. But I think it's a real reflection of the neurodivergent experience. It's a rollercoaster of emotion, of feeling great, feeling terrible. It's, it's literally one extreme to the other. You can feel like the best thing ever. And then literally the next moment, you can feel it's like the worst thing ever. And I think that's why we need to encourage people more to look at the positive sides of being different of being neurodivergent you know you really need to focus on all the really positive things if you're watching this look at the pictures behind me or if, you, if you're listening go and look at my photography go, go to my page jordan james the autistic photographer or my instagram uh joe uh the autistic photographer just go and look at my photography and you will see why being neurodivergent for me is is this amazing ability because i wouldn't be able to take the pictures i take if i wasn't special interest probably the biggest part of our lives because they, it affects us the most positively and literally opposite side of the coin negatively. It is one extreme to the other. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. We hope you really enjoyed listening to it. I know that I've really enjoyed getting to understand hyperfocus and special interest more. I kind of learn a little bit more about myself every episode and I hope you guys are feeling the same as well. If you found inspiration from this episode, knowledge, simply a moment of reassurance, please continue to listen to us by subscribing to us, put notifications on so you never miss an episode. Please continue to follow us on this journey. Thank you very much, Jordan. Say goodbye to everybody. Goodbye to everybody. 
Are we going to do this every time? All right, see you later, guys. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.